Razorback fans, welcome to this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson from Hogbeat.com, the Arkansas site and the Rivals Network. Our coverage this week for the Sweet 16 is brought to you by Wright's Barbecue. They have the most delicious barbecue in all of Arkansas, and now you can get their meat rubs and spices right at Walmart or on Walmart.com. So even if you can't grill up quite like the rights people can, you can still get that same flavor. Uh, also, right now at hogbeat.com, to celebrate this the Sweet 16 appearance by the Razorbacks for the first time since 1996, we are giving away six months of free coverage if you just buy one. So that's a one for six deal. And you can use code HOGSWEET16. H-A-W-G, hog, sweet, 16, in the numerals. All right, everybody, I was pitching a really big week for the Razorbacks in recruiting, and Hutch, wouldn't you know it, uh, things haven't worked out perfectly. Uh, some, you know, 17-year-olds <laughs> have some High school other things going on. So for starters, uh, today is Thursday, and today was the supposed, supposed to be the announcement day for uh, Faison Wilson, a Rivals 250 wide receiver down in Dallas. He was at Lancaster and is going to be at Duncanville for his senior season. Uh, but he was deciding between Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Alabama. Uh, I had, obviously, him picking Arkansas. Um, I still do. He has moved his commitment date to April 2nd. So that is now next Friday. So next week is going to be a big week. Um, but also still this weekend, uh, Miles Rouser, who is uh, from Michigan, uh, he is a Rivals 100 safety who can also play cornerback and nickel. Uh, he will be deciding on Sunday. Um, and given that he has already scheduled his official visit with Arkansas for the first weekend in June, uh, I think that's going to be some good news on Sunday, no matter how the Razorbacks play on Saturday. So you always have that to look forward to. And that would be Sam Pittman's highest ranked commit um, since he got here. Uh, Rouser is very highly touted. I mean, obviously he has Alabama in his top four, so it uh, doesn't get much better than that. And he's versatile. He can play every position uh, in the secondary. So uh, that would be a huge get for the Hogs on Sunday. So I guess stay tuned for that. I'll let you know if anything changes before then, because that's always a possibility. Uh, Joshua White, a defensive end out of Cedar Grove High School in Georgia, where uh, commit Rashad Dubinian also plays. Uh, he was supposed to make an announcement this week, and I had him picking Mississippi State over Arkansas, but uh, he has now uh, pushed off his commitment indefinitely. So that's great news for the Hogs. He has already told me he is now uh, planning an official visit, probably for that first weekend in June as well. So uh, that's at least two Rivals 250 members here on June 4th, most likely. And then also uh, Jerron Willis, a, a uh, four-star linebacker, also from Georgia. He cut his top six this week and he will be on the hill june 4th so uh kind of killing it honestly 
Uh, with seven commits already, the class is further along than it has been uh, as far back as I was willing to click in our database. Um, I mean, Normally, I remember when I first got to Arkansas, Hutch, do you remember the thread on the board someone posted? It's, it's Marcher and there's only one commit. Yeah, it, uh, it can pick up really quickly. You know, I mean, in, in high school kids, they can be fickle. Uh, so who knows, <laughs> you know, as, as we saw this week, we thought it was going to be a huge week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to, to see them already have seven is phenomenal. And I think it just kind of shows you how much a little bit of success on the field can go a long way on the recruiting trail. And you just kind of got to keep that momentum going. You got to, you know, obviously do well in the recruiting trail this year, but then you also got to translate that into wins uh, this coming season. And then that way you get, continue to get more uh, four-star recruit type guys uh, looking at Arkansas. That uh, just kind of it can, can avalanche on you uh, both in a good way or a bad way. And right now it, it, things are going good for Arkansas. You know, the Razorbacks were mentioned um, in a Rivals National piece this week as being, you know, one of five SEC teams that's off to a really hot start. And obviously they are, considering they have seven, which they haven't done before by this point in time. So it definitely seems like the Razorbacks have benefited from the extended dead period. Uh, I thought it would be tougher uh, because obviously – uh, a big selling point in Fayetteville when you get up here is like, wow, it's so beautiful. I didn't realize what it would be like. Um, but they've been able to show all of that via virtual um, tours. And uh, some guys were able to make it up here this past weekend for the scrimmage on Saturday. And Marion Harris was here. Uh, he, I think, is, you know, getting closer to a decision. I think we could see something in the next couple months from him. So that is another, uh, you know, four-star guy. Like, this, this class is shaping up to, to rival the 2019 class, and that's exactly what Sam Pittman needs to start, um, you know, competing with the top dogs in the SEC. Um, if the Razorbacks do get uh, – Rouser on Sunday, which I predict that, that they will, and then they get uh, Wilson um, the next Friday. Uh, the Razorbacks would be ranked eighth in the nation in recruiting, and that doesn't happen uh, like ever. <laughs> the The bonus points that you get for prospects ranked in the top twenty five, top two fifty, um, are ridiculous. So that usually doesn't happen for the Hogs. I think Trey Knox was the last really highly rated guy. And I think he netted like an extra, like 65 bonus points. That's as much as you would get for one three-star. So it's like getting the value of two commitments for one. Um, so I don't, I don't think uh, they could have it going any better right now. Honestly, I know people, they're still concerned about linebacker, but what, like I just said, they have a four-star from Georgia already locked in to take an official visit. So I think, I think overall an A-plus job uh, when I think a few, a few weeks ago we were worried, but then they got the in-state guys on board, um, and now things are just rolling. And once that dead period ends, you know, all chaos is going to break loose. They're going to be trying to rope guys in for official visits, um, and you'll want to be on Hogbeat to follow all of that stuff. Andrew Hutchinson, you are headed to Indiana this weekend. Uh, what are you excited for? 
Yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting back on the road, you know, ever since this pandemic started, I haven't been able to, to travel much and uh, what a way to, to get back into really traveling and staying overnight than the Sweet 16, you know, first time since 96 for Arkansas. Uh, I wasn't quite two years old the last time they were where they made it this far in the tournament. So I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to just being there and experiencing it. This is actually my first NCAA tournament, believe it or not. Uh, I have not been able to travel uh, the the few times they've made it since I was on the beat. So uh, I'm just really excited and, and looking forward uh, to seeing how Arkansas does. Uh, obviously, they got a, a pretty decent matchup with Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16. And, uh, you know, if they can get by that, you know, looking forward to seeing them in the Elite Eight. I mean, you're just a, a game or two away at this point from, from making it to the Final Four. And that that's just... Thinking back a couple of months ago, early January, I don't think anybody would have expected Arkansas to, to be at this point of the at this point of the tournament. Last weekend, um, so I'm watching obviously the Arkansas game on the couch, and Ben is watching the Florida game in the garage, and you know sounds like things are going well, uh, and then he just loses it, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Arkansas is going to play the lowest seed left in this tournament. Like I was looking forward to a fun little, you know, in-house rivalry situation, although it would have been very tense and hard to work during the game, I think. Uh, but I mean, Arkansas couldn't, couldn't ask for a better matchup when you look at, you know, just on paper what the computer statistics will tell you. Arkansas has the best chance of all the teams left in the Sweet 16 to advance to the next round. Yeah, I mean, that's that should be the case. I mean, Oral Roberts, they are a 15 seed. I think that may be a little bit lower than they should have been. I mean, but then again, they didn't even win the regular season conference tournament or conference championship. The only reason they made it was because they had a little run in the, the conference tournament. And uh, they – I remember watching – their uh the summit league championship the very end of it they had a, a pretty decent lead you know in the last couple of minutes and then they did everything in their power to try to lose I mean they were turning the ball over couldn't get a rebound missed some free throws I mean it was spectacular I was like oh my gosh they were just melting down uh, but they ended up pulling it out and man I, I had no idea at that point watching that uh that that I would be getting to watch them again uh, after seeing them play in December against Arkansas uh, in the Sweet 16, because that, that's just – it's crazy to think about. And if you remember that game back in December, it was a – I think Arkansas won by 11. However, they were down by 10 at halftime, trailed by as many as, I think, 12 or 14, and uh, managed to, to rally and win that game by double digits. Uh, but it was a very close and competitive game. And uh, I, I would not be surprised if it is similar to that uh, this weekend, just that – Oral Roberts comes out and they've, they've been playing so well uh, that, that they may be able to, to throw a haymaker or two, but I feel like Arkansas has enough horses uh, that it should be able to pull out the game, uh, maybe even win by a larger margin than what the game kind of feels like, uh, but should still, still come out with the win and move on to Elite Eight. So Arkansas is an 11.5-point favorite. Um, they once again have the, the highest total of all the games left at 159. Um, I, you know, put up my betting piece of the week with all those matchups. You can go check that out on Hogbeat. Um, 
But I have, you know, the under on that game. I think that's a safe bet. Uh, Arkansas hasn't hit the over uh, in in the last four games that they've played. Um, but, you know, two very highly scoring teams. I just think that, you know, the the defense element will show up a lot more in a, in a tournament game. Um, and then I also have Oral Roberts, you know, covering the 11 and a half point spread and people on the message board were very upset with me. <laughs> I just, I have some respect for what they've been able to accomplish. I don't think that um, like is disrespectful to Arkansas in any way. No, but uh, who knows? Eric Musselman may have it on a bulletin board and going to call you out in the post game like he has some other people. Uh, for not predicting them <laughs> to blow them out of the building. Oh, yeah. No. Eric's a reasonable person. Yeah, yeah, he is. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on, on it being kind of more of a defensive game than maybe the, the odds makers predict. Uh, Oral Roberts has been scoring the ball really well, but they've got two guys that have been doing almost all their scoring. I mean, it's unreal how much, uh, I think it's Max Admus and Kevin. Uh, it's actually pronounced Acemus, which is Ace very Miss? strange. Okay. Because there's a B in there. Yeah, I don't know. But the dude can score. That, that's however you yeah. say his name. He can score. Uh, leads the country in scoring uh, even more than, than Luca Garza at Iowa. And that dude can play. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup. And, and O'Banner, I believe, is the other guy's name. Uh, he is also a very good scorer. They're the top scoring duo in the country. Uh, so that that's going to be challenging however I think Eric Musselman has proven throughout the year they've done a good job of taking away the other team's best player now that may be that may mean you know the third or fourth guy on the roster comes out and scores 15 and he's never scored double digits in his life but that's something that that Eric Musselman is willing to live with uh, as long as Asmus and O'Banner don't go off for 20 plus a piece the thing that's worrisome, though, is that obviously Ohio State and, and Florida knew the personnel of Oral Roberts. They knew who the leading scorers was, were. They were already the leading scorers before the game, and they still couldn't stop them. Those guys are averaging more in the tournament than they did in the regular season, I'm pretty sure. So that's, that's concerning. Like when you know what they're going to do and you still can't stop them. I was listening to Ace Miss on the, um, you know, the, the press conference yesterday and he was like, yeah, people, you know, people push me off the three point line. So I just shoot it from deep. He has, he has a nickname and it's midcourt max. Like that dude is just a really good shooter. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that uh, even though that, you know, they know what they're going to want to do, um, the shots are still going to go in. Hopefully they have a bad, bad day shooting. Guys can, yeah. guys can be off. So you hope that this is the game that, you know, the, the hot streak breaks. Here, I'll give you something that maybe will, will make you feel a little bit better. Uh, so I just yes, pulled please. up, I pulled, pulled up the Ken Palm uh, rankings here. Uh, Arkansas has the number 10 adjusted defense uh, adjusted defensive efficiency in the country. Uh, Florida, I think, was like 42nd, and okay. Ohio State was like 82nd, uh, 81st Ohio, Ohio State. So they are not really known for playing as good a defense as Arkansas. And I mean, if, I know Arkansas gets all this 
hub for, you know, Moses Moody scoring the ball and Justin Smith scoring and putting up a bunch of points and playing fast pace. But Arkansas has played really, really good defense this year. What, what about where are they at in three-point defense, though? Because, you know, I remember early on in the year that was a, a bigger issue and we were comparing it to the, um, you know, 2019-2020 team that was, you know, at the top of the nation in three-point defense. And they just ended up having to, you know, change their strategy and to fit the personnel. But I think that's a concern. I mean, Colgate got off to a hot start. And so I just think that anyone that can shoot the three well is is more of a problem. That's true. And, and I mean, they, there have been some games. I mean, I remember the back-to-back games against uh, Kentucky and Missouri uh, where Arkansas won both of those games, but they both, Kentucky and Missouri, both shot absolutely out of their minds from three-point range. And uh, we asked Eric Musselman about it, and he said, well, you know, we were, we were willing to let those guys, the guys that were making most of them, shoot threes because they had really sucked pretty much all year. And so they were like, we're going to live with that. We're going to shut down the guys that we really have to worry about. And if you remember in that Colgate game, uh, Jordan Burns, I remember correctly, was pretty quiet. I don't know if he scored in the first half. Uh, he did get going a little bit in the second half, uh, but they they really shut him down. It was really the complimentary pieces uh, that were hitting the threes and and doing the damage. So uh, if if Arkansas can can slow down the two main studs, then I think that will help. But you're right; they they don't have uh, the best uh, three point defense. You know, last year they were number one in the country. Uh, I've got the the list here pulled up now. They are 165th out of 340. So pretty much right smack dab in the middle of Division One. Uh, but I think it's just more of a instead. Last year it was that was their identity. They were like, we're going to have to shut down teams from three point range because that's how we're going to win games. And make this our year, own, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And this year it's more of we're going to be a little bit more flexible and we're going to adjust our game plan depending on what the other team likes to do. And, you know, we've seen them win a, you know, faster-paced up-and-down game against Colgate. We've seen them win a slower, grinded-out, you know, tough game against Texas Tech. We've seen them do that throughout the year, honestly. So uh, it's just a matter of kind of what Eric Musselman decides to, to really focus on in the game plan something we haven't mentioned yet. And Mus Mus isn't putting too much stock in the fact that they, you know, beat Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts before, uh, because that team has come a long way. Um, so has Arkansas, uh, but their their starting lineup looks pretty much the same um, compared to when they played in December, except for uh, Arkansas native R.J. Glasper, who was injured middle of the year, played 18 games, um, and so that just forced them to use. A. Smith and O'Banner even more got their shot totaled up um, to cover for that. But you have to think that, you know, knowing the personnel and how in-depth they go on these scouting reports, there is a distinct advantage to playing someone you've already played, especially in the same year. Exactly. And having almost a full week to prepare for them, too. Uh, they're they're able, they're going to be able to, to break down the film from the tournament break down the film from their conference tournament and the end of the regular season and be able to figure out okay what are they doing now that they maybe weren't doing before and and uh, I don't know the exact numbers uh, off the top of my head but I know uh, thanks to some research by uh, 
friend, uh, Scotty Bordelon of Olog Sports, you know, he, he is, he broke it down one time in that, you know, when Eric Mussman has like four days of preparation, he's almost unbeatable. And uh, he's got a good record overall anyways, uh, but it's even better whenever uh, he gets that extra preparation time. And I think that just kind of goes back to Eric Mussman being a true basketball junkie. You know, he grew up around it, coached in the, the pros, NBA, uh, G League. Uh, so you're going to get Arkansas's best shot if, if there's going to be a long break. You know, where, where it gets a little bit tricky is whenever there's shorter rest, which you know, happens uh, against Texas Tech, and they came out okay. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But I, I really like the fact that Arkansas has a, a full like five or six days to, to prep for this game. Arkansas had so many games this season where they had to make, you know, big runs for, for comebacks, maybe, you know, midway through the second half. It has really prepared them well for this tournament situation, both against, you know, Colgate and um, Texas Tech. They got into some holes and there was no panic from them. There was plenty of panic on the message board, <laughs> but they stayed perfectly cool and, and executed um, the game plan and, you know, worked the adjustments that Musselman set and have come out of it. And I think that their experience of resiliency during the season has, has shaped them into a team capable of doing that in a, in a big game setting like this. I want to say Colgate and Texas Tech were their eighth and ninth wins after trailing by double digits in the first half. It, that's, it's remarkable, really, uh, because they, they have fought. Now, some of those were early in conference play. You know, one, of course, against Oral Roberts uh, and, and a couple other games. I think maybe even UCA or something, they fell behind. And, and those are obviously less you know, the inferior teams. You know, at the time, but Arkansas still kind of got that experience. They did it a little bit in the SEC play. Uh, so just I, – I don't know what it is because they, they do stay calm. And, I mean, they do have three freshmen, you know, who were in the starting lineup in the last game and playing significant minutes. And so you wouldn't really expect that from a team built like this. You, you'd think this would be a team that has played together for three or four years and this is their, their chance to make a run. But, uh, man, they have, they have stayed calm, cool, and collected – uh, and better than than any Arkansas team that I remember because it's always been a like oh well here we go Arkansas is gonna lose like in the last minute of the Texas Tech game I had fully expected Texas Tech to go down score and break Arkansas's hearts I mean I have seen it throughout my life that's how it's gone uh, but this team just didn't let it happen and I think that's a credit to, to everything they've been through this year and uh, here we are sweet 16. It was unfortunate because the women's team on Monday did pretty much exactly what you just described, <laughs> losing the game in well, just some horrendous fashion. Like they, they came back and then one dribble off the foot and the game is over. Like they didn't score again after that. And it's heartbreaking for them. Um, but luckily the men haven't had a situation like that so far. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that last time they played Oral Roberts, Devo Davis only played nine minutes and Jalen Williams didn't play at all. I had to text you the other day because I was like, was Jalen Williams hurt? What was going on? And I remembered like there were games that they really didn't play 
and they they they're such a big impact on the game now that it's hard to remember a time where the hogs were well obviously it was not conference play but they were winning games without them yeah and eric musselman has talked about that a little bit lately and and said that early on it's hard for freshmen to to pick up his system and, and be ready to play significant minutes moody's a little bit of an exception because he's I would say a generational talent uh, for Arkansas. And, you know, he got to play at Montverde uh, where they probably had better preparation than, than most high schools. Uh, it was a little bit different for Devo and, and, and Jalen. Uh, they had to, to really kind of get into the playbook, learn everything. It's a pro system. And uh, that, that probably contributed early on to why they weren't playing as much. And as they got more familiar and more comfortable, uh, minutes went up and, uh, they played so well that Eric Hussman has really no choice but to keep him on the floor. So uh, it is interesting that, that they did not play very much early and, we're ha- and are having now as big of a role as they are. Usually it's kind of the reverse. Usually you see the freshmen get a lot of time in non-conference play because it's not as tough games, and then maybe their minutes decrease once you hit conference play, and that just it hasn't happened for them. Yeah, Jalen Jalen you know, hugged Devo after that last game. And he said that, you know, it was, it was me and Devo on the bench, like having to cheer each other up, like, you know, just stick it out, keep working. We're going to get through this and it's going to pay off. Um, And luckily the Razorbacks were winning when they weren't playing very much because that helped them stay bought in to what was happening. It's a little different if you're not playing and you're losing, then you're like, well, what's, what's even the point? Uh, but they stayed with it. I mean, Jalen last game, his 10 rebounds and four assists, irreplaceable. I mean, they they could not have won that game without them. And I'm excited for when Williams is able to show more of his offensive talent as well. And he's done that at various times. I think, can't remember if it was the LSU or the Alabama game at Bud Walton where he they, they went to him down on the post and then he went to work and finished with like 10 10- points or something like that uh so he has shown that he can do things offensively they just didn't really need that against texas tech they needed him to go rebound the ball they needed him to to be effective out of the high post and boy was he ever i mean people all people have talked about his 10 rebounds you know all week and i feel like his four assists kind of get forgotten i mean four isn't a huge number by any means but he's a big man and they were some critical critical passes I mean and they were beautiful I mean they cut kitten cutters I think Justin Smith had a couple of them at least uh and, and those, those were those cut those cutter passes that he had those made like the game of basketball look so easy you you just think why can't you do that every play but of course you know you just catch your defender sleeping and it's right there it's beautiful exactly and and so he if he could play like that even throughout the rest of the tournament, however long Arkansas makes it, then that's going to be huge. Uh, but I think in the future, you know, maybe next year, the year after that, I think he could be a true force, you know, on, on the offensive end as well. And, you know, average double digits and being an all SEC caliber player, you know, no different than, than Devo Davis. I also think as a rebounder, um, he's just really physical and tough and he'll, you know, sacrifice his body, um, you know, he'll throw his hand out there even if he doesn't have much of a chance just in case, you know, the ball could tip into a teammate's hand. Like, he's just always showing a ton of effort. And then 
Devo Davis, obviously, he's come along being able to score as well. His mid-range jumpers are very nice. Um, I think the two have a big opportunity on Saturday as long as, you know, they stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, that's always the key with Devo. And there's been a few games where he's picked up, you know, a couple of quick fouls or, you know, found himself in foul trouble early in the second half and has to come off the floor. But if he can keep that under control, uh, he is he is very, very valuable. And his defense is incredible. He, it doesn't show up in the box score necessarily. I mean, he does get steals and things like that. Uh, but his defense on Mac McClung in the final minute against Texas Tech is probably a big reason Arkansas won. I mean, he flat out denied him, did not let him catch the ball. And and that's the guy Texas Tech has gone to late in games. I think I can't remember which, which game it was, but I feel like he hit a buzzer beater to win a game that ended up on Sports Center. Uh, so yeah, he that was that was phenomenal by Devo and, and you know Jalen has had moments like that as well. So uh, a very big moment, you know, and it could be a building moment for them. Uh, you know, even if even if Arkansas, you know, for some reason they lost Oral Roberts, I don't expect it to happen. But if they did, or if they lose in Elite Eight, you know, there this is a, a a really solid foundation where even if Moses does go to the NBA, like I think we all expect. Uh, it's a really solid base and foundation for Arkansas moving forward this next year or so. It's so crazy to think about how at the beginning of the season, because of all these new faces, we really had no idea what we were going to get from this team. And now they're going to the sweet 16. Like I can't imagine like another team like that, where you just have no expectations for what they're going to be able to do. I mean, you know, they have, they had four, four-star freshman coming in, but still, you don't know how it's going to, you know, be cohesive with multiple sit-out transfers and the grad transfers. Um, when you think about the teams over the past 25 years, where does this team rank amongst those that had great players but, like, never got to ascend to that level? Because there, there were probably, like, some better, like, overall teams in those years yeah the the 2015 team comes to mind just because that was the Portis and Qualls year uh, the second year they were together Portis's sophomore and Qualls junior year uh, that that was a really good team and, and Arkansas just kind of you know in the SEC they ran into the bus saw that was the year Kentucky went undefeated into the final four uh, so they, they weren't going to win they finished second in the, the standings they finished second in the conference tournament uh, that was a really good team, and I think, uh, and I also think the the Barford Macon year, I think it was maybe 2017 was their better year. Uh, that was a really good team, and Dusty Hannes. Uh, so that those teams were good, but I think just this team, there's just been a different feeling. I feel like the overall talent level has been better on this team, uh, from top to bottom, because uh, there were, you know, some weak spots on those teams. You know, the first five were maybe really, really good, and you didn't really have a ton off the bench. Uh, this year's team, I mean, you've got the sixth man of the year in J.D. Note, and you've got, uh, you know, guys on the bench that have, have played well. And, you know, Vance Jackson, I think, is a, a pretty solid basketball player, but he just really never found his role here at Arkansas, and he's hardly played any. Uh, and, and Ethan Henderson's probably the last guy on the bench, and he's had some really good moments when he's been called upon. So uh, the just the overall depth of this team, I think, probably makes it the best team, you know, since those, you know, mid-'90s teams that, 
that made the the runs to the final four national championship all that so uh that this team has been incredible and you know the the expectations were, were all over the place i think early on whenever you saw the all the they landed all the four-star in-state recruits i think people were like all right this is the year we're gonna go to the sweet 16 and you saw the uh grad transfers like all right and then you had to deal with the pandemic like, well you've got all these new pieces how are you going to get them all to mesh if you don't have a normal off season so then there was a little bit of concern and you had to worry about mason and isaiah are they going to come back or leave or you know in isaiah's case he came back and then left again uh so it, the, it was just kind of a roller coaster of emotion during the off season of okay is this team going to be worth a darn and uh sure enough Eric Musselman's worked his magic and, and made it to the Sweet 16. This team would have been unstoppable with Isaiah Joe. I don't know how the minutes would have distributed and everything, but it, it would have been absolutely lethal. This segment of Diamond Hog Talk is brought to you by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, our sponsor for all of our Diamond Hogs coverage. They have the best burgers and fries in the state. You can find them in Russellville or in Fayetteville, and you can order online. Hutch, the Razorbacks are coming off of four straight wins. Uh, they won the Alabama series this weekend and then swept Memphis on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, they were not the you know composite overall number one this week. Vanderbilt took the top spot, but very solid week. Yeah, it really is. I mean, especially when you consider that it's coming on the heels of a three-game losing streak, and that third loss uh, being the, the SEC opener against Alabama was, uh, let's just say, a forgettable game. Uh, I mean, I, it's been a long time since I've seen Arkansas take a beating like that, 16-1 to one, uh, with a 10-run second I, inning. I kept seeing your tweets, and I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was bad, and uh, for them to bounce back the way they did, and win the next two games and not just win them, but, you know, hold them to one run in each game. I think it was nine to one and three to one were the final scores. Uh, it was just really good to see from the pitching staff to bounce back from that. Uh, and then you had uh, the Memphis midweek series. That was one that I wasn't really too worried about because Memphis, you know, they have a, a great player in their catcher, Hunter Goodman, phenomenal potential first round draft pick. Uh, not much around him, though. So uh, I, I wasn't worried about it. Arkansas was able to give some of their regular guys, regular starters, a, a rest, uh, gave some some freshmen and, and bench players some action, and, and they played really well against Memphis uh, and just, you know, kept, the, kept, the, kept it going. You know, Van Horn has said several times that he really likes playing these midweeks just because, you know, you keep playing. You keep – you don't have to sit and worry about losing, you know, momentum. You just keep it going and – uh, they need all the momentum they can get going into Starkville this weekend because that's going to be one tough series for the Hogs because Mississippi State is really, really good. I don't want to, you know, bring us down to a bad note, but, like, what what was the turning point in that um, Friday game last week? Well, the second inning was just awful. I mean, it, it started out with, I think, Peyton Paulette. He – I think he walked a couple, gave up a hit. He put the four for, the first four guys on. Then they went to the bullpen. I think it was Blake Adams. And he just – he wasn't fooling anybody. I mean, Alabama was taking batting practice. Uh, and, and I hate to see that. You know, Blake Adams is a, a kid I've known since he was like eight or nine years old. Uh, and so it was, it was tough to see. Uh, he's a, 
a good pitcher, has a lot of talent and everything, just wasn't his day. And uh, Alabama just teed off on him and just kept going, kept going, kept going. Uh, really, the, the turning point of the weekend, I think, was getting the, the performance they got out of Patrick Wicklander in that game. Because Patrick Wicklander came in, I believe, after Blake Adams and then ended up throwing five, five and a third scoreless innings, really shut him down. Obviously, the game was over at that point. You, you, there's no coming back from a nine or ten run deficit in the SEC. Uh, so that was, that was good to see. You didn't have to burn any of your other pitchers in that game. Uh, Alabama ended up scoring some more late, but it was against some pitchers that probably weren't, aren't going to get to see action in critical moments of games. Uh, and so that I think Patrick Wickbanner's performance really kind of set the stage for uh, the uh, pitching staff to come back out. You know, Zebulon Vermillion had a tremendous eight innings, one hit, one run uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, Lyle Lockhart, Kevin Copps, phenomenal on Sunday. Uh, Jackson Wiggins had a little bit of trouble for the first time in his career, uh, but was able to get out of it and, and get the save. So, uh, all in all, the pitching staff, if you look at the raw numbers, probably it doesn't look like they had a very good weekend. But considering they came back from as, as awful of a performance it was on Friday, they did a really good job. I know that a lot of people were saying, who, when DVH announced the, uh, the pitcher for, I believe it was Tuesday's game. Nope. Wednesday's, Wednesday's game. Plyman. Tell us about him. Yeah, Plymouth is a Fayetteville native, uh, so he's grew up cheering for the Hogs and everything. He uh, went to Fayetteville High School, had a good career, and signed with Wichita State out of high school, spent one year there, uh, and then transferred back to Arkansas way back in the summer of 2019. I mean, it's see, when I went back and found my, my story from this, it felt like I was going back a decade to find this because there's just so much has happened in those two years. Uh, but now here he is. He had to sit out last year and obviously the pandemic, uh, and uh, he was finally able to, to get on the mound last night. And he, when he was throwing strikes, he was pretty good. Uh, he had a, a perfect one, two, three, second inning, couple of strikeouts. Uh, looks pretty good, showed some potential, uh, but he just really struggled throwing, the stri throwing strikes. I mean, he was bouncing pitches, things like that. He didn't give up a hit in two innings, uh, but – Again, he, he, I think he had three walks and hit by pitch, something like that. And the defense didn't really help him. There was an error as well uh, that led to an unearned run. Um, he also gave up an earned run that scored off of a reliever. Uh, so he, he was okay. Um, I bet Dave Van Horn has said that, that we'll probably see him again at some point. So he was the 20th different pitcher Arkansas has used this year, which I need to go back and see how that compares to previous years, but it feels pretty high. It feels like Arkansas has just a ton of arms that they've used so far this year. Uh, and, you know, they're just trying to find which ones are, are going to be reliable on the weekends. And it's been a little bit up and down throughout the year. This weekend, the Razorbacks are going up against the number three team in your composite poll, Mississippi State. Uh, it's a 6.30 p.m. first pitch on Friday and then two 2 p.m. games on the weekend. Uh, so you can get that game in on Saturday before the Razorbacks tip off at 525 on TBS. Um, that's that's a pretty big series coming up. Yeah, showdown of top three teams. I mean, it's it's going to be quite the battle. I, I, don't, I don't 
know how good I feel about this series for Arkansas. Uh, the last four times these teams have played, the home team has swept, uh, and it is in Starkville. So I don't feel good about that. I, I would feel good if Arkansas could just find a way to win one of these games because they are loaded pitching staff, hitting the ball really well. Arkansas got an up-close view of them in Arlington at the very beginning of the season. Mississippi State beat Texas and Texas Tech. They did lose a really tight game against TCU uh, at that event. That was the only SEC loss of the weekend. Uh, but, man, they are really good. I mean, they just they, – they've been a preseason top ten team. They've done nothing so far that is, has told me that they aren't capable of being, you know, a team that makes it to the College World Series. So, uh, if, if Arkansas is going to, you know, maintain where they are in the rankings, uh, if they could just win one game, I don't see them falling too far. Uh, just because it is a, a such a highly ranked opponent on the road, uh, I, they would probably stay top ten. But if you get swept, uh, you you may drop a little bit more than that. I believe I saw that DVH made a switch up to this weekend's rotation. Um, so what's he got going on? Yes, yeah, so Peyton Paulette has been the the game one starter the last couple of weeks, uh, but they are taking him out and putting him in the bullpen and replacing him with Patrick Wicklander after. Uh, Wicklander had this, such a good outing out of the bullpen against Alabama. Uh, so he's going to get an opportunity to start. The other two games stay the same, Zebulon Vermillion on Saturday and Lyle Lockhart on Sunday. Uh, pretty good rotation for Arkansas. I'm a little, you know, the little uneasy about Wicklander getting the start on Friday because he could be either really good or really bad. So uh, they better hope that they get good, Patrick, because – uh, this this Mississippi State team is going to be tough to score on. Their their Friday night guy is averaging like I think he's got a strikeout rate of like 16 per nine innings, and that's just that's crazy. Are the bats hot right now? Yeah, uh, better after facing Memphis. You know they they kind of struggled in that game three against Alabama. They did manage three runs, uh, but several guys that you count on like Robert Moore has been slumping at the plate. You know, he had, he did get a double finally late in that game on Wednesday. Uh, but up to that point, he was like hitless in 15 or 16 straight at bats and one for his last 26. Uh, so he, he'd been struggling. Matt Goodhart had been struggling, but he had four hits and a, just a, a bomb of a home run. I think it cleared the, the new facility out in right field. Uh, so that, that was good to see. But some other guy, you know, Jalen Battles, he's had some clutch hits for Arkansas, struggling lately. Uh, Christian Franklin's been kind of up and down. He's kind of swinging the bat a little bit better, but he kind of got a little dinged up in Tuesday's game. I don't know his status for this weekend, but I, I think he'll be okay. Uh, and some other guys like that, you know, you, you got to get them going. Uh, Caden Wallace has been red hot. Uh, he, he was hitting about a buck seventy two weeks ago. And now he's already almost up around 300. So he's he's been on fire. You need him to keep it going. I think they've got enough guys swinging the bat well that they can manage some runs. But I would be very surprised if we see Arkansas scoring 9, 10, 11 runs against this Mississippi State team. By the time the listeners hear this, you will have already broken some news. So why don't you go ahead and, and share that injury news for, yes. the, for the listeners. I guess it's not too terribly breaking because they have mentioned it on the TV broadcast a couple of times, but Connor Nolan is going to be out a couple of weeks with a forearm injury. Uh, he's, he's been bothering him a little bit since the beginning of the season. Uh, just 
tried to fight through it, tried to play through it, just hasn't been able to, went and got an MRI. Luckily, no structural damage. Doesn't look like they're going to need a Tommy John or anything like that. Uh, hopefully, he should just be able to rest and rehab it and be back and ready to go in a couple of weeks. But that would be another big arm to get, you know, whether it's in for a long relief or even a, a start, midweek start, whatever. Uh, he's he's a, a veteran arm for Arkansas, so you hope he can get back and be able to contribute on this year's team. From what you've seen so far, are the Hogs about where you expected? They're probably better than I expected. They, they've just done a, such a good job of winning games that they probably had no business winning, uh, rallying and coming back and stuff like that. I mean, I think they're – I want to say they're a couple of games ahead of my prediction at this point. Uh, I did predict them to go 2-1 and one against Alabama. Uh, I predicted them to lose to Oklahoma. Uh, but they had a, a couple other games in there. I didn't expect them to go 3-0 and in, in Arlington for sure. Uh, so they're, they're probably better than I expected. I don't know if they're as good as their number one or number two ranking, uh, but, man, they, they have all the makings. So if they could get it all together and clicking at the same time, uh, they, they could make a deep run in the postseason. Yeah, catch that number one versus number three, you know, number one in one poll. <laughs> catch that series this weekend, 6.30 p.m. on Friday and 2 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. We're out at the Saturday scrimmage. Hutch and I were, um, it was a really nice day out there. There were a lot of fans, more than I expected, uh, just for, uh, you know, random spring scrimmage. Uh, it, it was an entertaining scrimmage and the fact that I don't feel like either side dominated the, the day. Uh, there were times where I thought the defense was really, really good. Like in the third down segment they did, uh, they did eight third down plays with the ones and eight third down plays with the twos and the offense won only three total of those 16. Uh, so the defense dominated that obviously, but then there were other times where the, the offense really moved the ball. Well, they, they did well in the red zone. Uh, Traylon Burks made a, just a spectacular catch at the back of the end zone. Uh, Blake Kern made a nice catch and, and avoided a tackle near the goal line to score uh, the, even the twos uh, did a good job of, of punching it in. Traylon, uh, Traylon Smith had a touchdown run. Dominic Johnson had a touchdown run in the red zone. Uh, so the, there were different areas of the, the scrimmage where you know one side of the ball dominated more than the other. Uh, special teams was also got quite a bit of work and was I would categorize it as up and down. <laughs> I was I was going to say worrisome. Yeah, they're, yeah, it, it definitely, like, they, they tried multiple guys. I mean, they tried, I want to say it was Vito, they tried on a, a field goal. I don't know if you were here when he tried this, but uh, his field goals barely got over the line and was just a line drive. And they tried it again, like, after he had one like that, and then he did it again, the same thing. I remember two that almost looked like they were blocked and they just went like to the side. Maybe from your angle, it went line drive, but to me, it went like to the, yeah. to the left of yeah. the goalposts and they yeah, were very the bad. One was yeah. like that, Cause I mean, it was like, like a line drive. I mean, it was, it was not pretty. I don't think we're going to see Vito kicking field goals anytime soon. I think it's going to be between Matthew Phillips or maybe even the freshman Cam Little. Uh, who I thought had a pretty good day. He, he came up short on a 52-yard field goal attempt, 
but other than that, I mean, he punted the ball well. I didn't really. I, I liked really, his. I liked his punt. Yeah. Yeah, he and they were. I mean, they were. They were pretty. I mean, they were a whole lot better than uh, Reed Bauer and uh, I want to say George Carrington. I thought Sam Loy had a nice punt. We only got to see one of him though. Uh, but yeah, I thought Cam Little has made some noise and is going to compete for for some playing time this year as a true freshman. I was out at practice on Tuesday and after we talked to KJ Jefferson for the first time. Um, wow. I mean, I remember talking to him as a recruit and he has just like blossomed so much since then. Um, his answers were, you know, really well thought out and um, it just seems like he feels totally comfortable in his role now. And that's exciting for him. He's, he's waited a while and people were always, you know, calling for him to be out there. So I feel like that just like amplified the pressure. Yeah. It's, it's amazing talking to a kid as a freshman and then talking to him again as a third year guy. It's just, just totally different. He, he has blossomed. And that's even without being a guy that regularly talks to us, you know, in the media, because I don't even think, I don't, I don't think he talked to us after the Missouri game, if I remember correctly. Uh, so this is the first time we've talked to him in a long, long time. And, and yeah, he, he is really sounds like he's really embraced that leadership role. Uh, Greg Brooks said that ever since they came back from winter break to, to start workouts, he's just been, he's been that guy. He, he knows that this is his team uh, and you need that out of that quarterback position. And it sounds like he might even be a little bit more vocal uh, than Felipe Franks was, who was more of a probably leader by example type. So uh, that was, that was really good to see him kind of, come out of his shell a little bit with us and also uh, embracing that role as leader on the team. And he's got to feel good about what he's got to work with. I mean, he returns everyone offensively and then the offensive line. Um, I'm expecting huge improvement after seeing what they look like. You just have to assume they're going to be a lot better because they're, they're going to have the strength to deal with the guys on the opposite side now. Yeah, they're, they're bigger. Uh, and like even guys like Myron Cunningham, who I don't know if he's that much bigger than last year, but he's going to have a whole year of experience at that weight under his belt. Uh, so he should be more comfortable and, and, and be ready to, to do that. And you mentioned the guys that he has to throw the ball to, KJ that is. Uh, it, that, that was his biggest, I, I, remember, I can't remember who it was that asked about it, but you know, what was your biggest takeaway so far of the offense? And he said, just all of the playmakers I have. I mean, having to be able to throw it to Traylon Burks and Mike Woods and all the other receivers are back. Uh, your tight ends are back. Uh, you're, you, you've got Traylon Smith still running the ball. Then you even add a guy like, you know, Rocket Sanders running the ball. Totally different running back than what the other guys are. And he can catch the ball because he came – he was being recruited as a receiver originally. So uh, I, I feel like he's very excited. and He thinks like, hey, if, if I can, you know, be good – you know, we have a chance to be a really good offense because just of all the, the guys around me. The following Saturday, I believe it's April 3rd, um, Sam Pittman is considering opening that one to fans as well. So mark that on your calendar. Um, thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour. Go show love to our sponsors because they are taking us to the Sweet 16 tournament this weekend. Go get some meat at Wright's. Go to CJ's. Butcher Boy Burgers, get yourself a burger, fries, and a shake, um, and then tune in to the Razorbacks, both on the Diamond and in Indianapolis. Tune in to the Razorbacks from Indianapolis at 6.25 p.m. on TBS. Thanks, everybody. Good luck.